Let us pray. Almighty and ever-blessed God, open our hearts and our minds to your holy word through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, that we might be made wise and good through the hearing and the following through of your holy word. In Jesus we pray, amen. The scripture reading today is taken from 1 Kings, chapter 19, reading verses 1 to 15. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Huzal to be king of Aram. Thus ends the lesson. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The passage of scripture that was read this morning is probably familiar to many of us. And um, you know, it's one of those passages of scripture that when we read, we can often glance through some, some details and miss a few things. So this morning, I wanted to take a few minutes just to bring perhaps uh, it might be a new perspective, but it, it might not be. Our prophet Elijah has been told by Jezebel this, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Jezebel threatens Elijah's life. And Jezebel can do it too. She's not just a pretty face. She is a worldly woman with all sorts of power. And Elijah has just come through some very difficult spiritual times. He's been under a lot of pressure. He had the belief that everything rested on his shoulders, that the very existence of Israel itself depended on him. You know, everybody has a breaking point spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally, everybody. And Elijah, has got to that point where he said to himself, I would rather run away into the desert and kill myself than let Jezebel get the final word and write the final chapter of my life. I would rather go into the desert and die. And that's exactly what he planned to do. He removed his servants from his from his uh, house and he took off and he really had no intention of coming back or living. Elijah is in a very dark spiritual and mental place. 
Elijah makes a run to the end of his life. Perhaps some of you have been there. Perhaps you've been depressed or anxious or troubled in some way where you felt that this is it. Sometimes churches can believe this too. They make a run to the end thinking that it's over. There's a book that I read, read several times, and it's a book that I often used as part of a Bible study um, with my church, um, by, written by Viktor Frankl uh, called Man's Search for Meaning. And he talked about a time in which uh, he was in one of the concentration camps, one of the death camps, and um, you know, all of the fences there in these camps were electrified. You know, they weren't just tall fences to keep you in. Um, if you went near them, it would, it would kill you if you touched them. And the Germans, you know, the Nazis said, here's the thing, nobody is allowed to stop someone from running to the wire. If you try to stop them, we'll shoot you. Because the, the Nazis thought it was a good thing for people to get to that point in their life where they would run for the wire and kill themselves because they had no more hope. And when people lose hope, life doesn't matter. Elijah finds a safe spot to lie down underneath a large broom tree. And he says to the Lord now, Lord, take my life, I've had enough. I am no better than my ancestors. Take my life, I want to die. Sounds very familiar. Jonah said the same thing sitting under a, a melon vine, you know, when he was looking out at the city of, of Nineveh. I just want to die, Lord. And I want to say that for all of us, the Lord is there even in the desert, even in the darkest places, times when we want to take our spiritual life or our physical life or our emotional life and say, I can't go on any further. It's in those places the Lord is certainly present. I would be lying to you if I said that I've never been in one of these places. I've been in some pretty dark places, emotionally and spiritually and mentally. There are times I think if we're honest, we would all say, I just want to give up. I can remember when I lived in Tavis and Tack, I was depressed for a period of about three or four months. Didn't work. And uh, you know, I'd work really, really hard and, and uh, the United Church minister had retired from the community and it was an older community. And I just got overwhelmed. And I remember sitting in my kitchen one morning after about two and a half months. And uh, about the only thing that I did was uh, I made model boats 
<laughs> I sat in the kitchen and that was my full-time job, making model boats. So Dr. Crawford's reduced from you know, being a fairly active person to making model boats. And I'm sitting at the table and, and finally, you know, uh, I went and got a cup of coffee, uh, a mug out of the cupboard to get a cup of coffee and it was a Thomas Kincaid mug. Has anybody heard of Thomas Kincaid? Well, he puts these little kitschy things, you know, on his mugs. And, and, uh, and I, I got the coffee and, and I didn't fill it up to the brim and there was a scripture verse on the top of it from, from 2 Samuel. And it said, the Lord will lighten your darkness. And I heard that in my mind. The Lord will lighten your darkness. And in that moment, the light did go on. I had such clarity of mind and purpose again that I got dressed, I shaved, I showered and I shaved and, and I was putting on my clothes and, and my wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going down the road to visit a friend. And that was it. I'm not saying that the Lord works in all situations and circumstances the same. But I do know this. Elijah was in deep trouble. And the Lord met him where he was, underneath a broom tree. Now, I think if I, my guardian angel would be a little bit different. I don't think my guardian angel would just touch me lightly. I think mine would give me a boot and say, you know what, John, you need to get up. You need to get up and you need to get going a little bit here. But this angel was a little kinder to Elijah. And you'll notice that Elijah's physical needs were met, rest and food, and then he could journey on. So Elijah, he continues his journey to Mount Sinai. And this is, of course, we know the place of God's promise to Moses and Israel. And Elijah is not really himself yet at all. And he goes into the back of the cave. He wants to be as small as he possibly can. Get away from life as much as possible. All of us do that when we're not feeling well. We isolate ourselves. The next morning, God knocks on the door. And God is asking his prophet this question, why are you here and not where I have assigned you to be? That's a very good question. Why are you here in this cave and not back where I told you your ministry was? And Isaiah, excuse me, Elijah begins with, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. He says, hello God, I'm working here. 
look what I've done for you. I am all you have. There's only me left. Do you know what it's like to have the weight of the world on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders and it doesn't feel good at all. God says to him, go out and stand on the mountain. It's the same as saying, come here right now, John Jeffrey Crawford. What happens when you hear that from your parents and you get your full name? <laughs> when we get our full name, which doesn't happen often, I would hear John Jeffrey Crawford usually, what have you done? Where's your brother? And why aren't you in school? Those are the, those are the three things. That was my life. Come here right now. You're gonna come and you're gonna stand before me whether you feel like it or not. I'm not done with you. Like most children, I shouldn't speak for most children. I can only speak for myself as a child. I still didn't wanna listen. But God demonstrated his power in that moment and he told, Elijah, you will do as I tell you to do. And I was saying to the kids this morning, you know, all of us have to do things we don't want to do. Jesus said to Peter, you know, one day you're gonna go where you don't wanna go. People are gonna do things to you that you don't want done to you. They're gonna take you and lead you by the belt and you're going to demonstrate to the world that you are my servant. That's a harsh lesson for every minister who's called to hear. God reaches down to Elijah and he says, you will come out. And now Elijah must face God. And that, I would imagine, would be a terrifying thing says Elijah pulled his cloak over his head because he knows that to see the face of God is to surely die. He pulls his cloak over his head as a shield between him and the Lord Almighty. And he puts his face into the cleft of the rock and his back toward God. And this is after the fire and after the wind And there's just this still, small voice. What are you doing here? And for the third time, Elijah says, I have done this, and I have done that, and I've worked hard for the Lord. I, I, I. I do this, and I do that. The fact of the matter is, is that God is asking the question, what are you doing here, not what are you doing? And there's a big difference. God never said that Elijah wasn't working hard. What God did say was, 
what are you doing here? Why are you here? Why are you not over there? That's, that's where I called you, that's where I sent you, that's where you need to be. Why aren't you there? And Elijah has no answer except to say, but I've been very busy. I've been doing all sorts of things. None of them worked out. And now I've lost my faith and I want to die. God is sovereign. And I want to remind us as a reformed congregation this morning, our God is a sovereign God. Our God does not fail. Our God does not make mistakes. Our God will always have his way. God has his way because he sees the beginning from the end. He reminds Elijah, he says, you know something? You don't know everything. You think you know everything. You think you have the whole situation in hand, but you don't. You need to trust me. Go back and start again. Because you don't know it, but I have 400 other prophets and priests who are loyal to me. They're over that horizon over there. You just need to go back. You need to go back where I had you and then you will see clearly that you are not alone. You know, when I was young, we, we had a rule among all my friends that wherever we stayed, if my friends stayed at my house, in the morning, we went to the Presbyterian church. If I stayed with my Anglican friends, we went to the Anglican service. Now, the McPhees were Roman Catholics, and the same rule applied. And they were, they were uh, devout Roman Catholics, and, and I can remember being in the garage with, with my friend and Mr. McPhee, and, and you know, I, I like to talk a little bit. Sometimes I talk a lot. And I like ideas and thoughts, and, and Mr. McPhee was trying to teach my friend how to work on a carburetor. I wasn't really interested in carburetors. I was interested in all sorts of other things, but not carburetors. And I was chit-chatting away to everybody who I thought would listen to me in the garage, Mr. McPhee and Garfield. And finally, after a few minutes, Mr. McPhee, he looked at me and he said, John, would you shut up? You talk more than a Presbyterian minister. Sometimes the most effective tool we have is to listen. Listen for the spirit and to go back the way we came. God is faithful. God reaches into all the caves that we put ourselves in whether they be mental health caves or physical caves or emotional caves. And he asks us, what are you doing here? 
Because ultimately, the psalm says, be still and know that I am God. One of the most difficult things that all of us experience as Christians is to be still. To let the Spirit wash over us and to fill us with the knowledge of the Lord. It's not easy. When I was a young minister, I remember when I graduated, I really did believe that everybody wanted to listen to what I had to say <laughs> on a Sunday at 25 years old. And, and I, I thought, you know, this is my chance to make a big change in the world. And then after six months when nothing happened, I thought there was something wrong with me. Maybe I, I wasn't really cut out to do this ministry thing after all. And what I realized was I needed to do more listening in stillness to allow the Spirit to wash over me and to remind me that the Lord God is present. He knows where I need to be. And if I'm open, and if I carefully listen, I will be in the place where I need to be. And in turn, I will also be able to be that minister who can lead and be the person who leads others where they need to be. So my heart this morning and my mind in conclusion say this. God knows where all of us need to be. God knows how to take us to that place where we should be. Listen carefully to God. Allow his spirit to instill that knowledge. We do not have a searchlight that illuminates miles ahead of us, but we have candlelight so that we might see a couple steps, but that's enough. Friends, know that God hears you. God listens and God will illumine us one step at a time. We will be in the place where God needs us to be. Amen. Glory be to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.